You can just delete me entirely from the podcast. That's okay. No, you you, do that to me. You had better input. I can't delete you. You're now the host. No, I don't want the responsibility. You really don't. We're gonna we're gonna be a a PC Engine podcast next week. Called 3DO Face. Gonna talk about yes, the PC Engine title 3DO Face. <laughs> Sour Man Corner is going to be where you talk about erotic 3DO games. That that rem- actually, Yay. I have a better title for you than 3DO Face. It's a 3DO Impossible. a 3DO named Desire. That's way too classy. Then oh, fine. Yeah. I, th- then yeah, it, that's more the, civilized than we are. Okay, then that can be for a sort of. Then it can be a PC engine named Desire. So is Clint gone really just because he died of late onset mayonnaise poisoning and we're just covering it up? Yeah. Yeah, I made an alt account to post this him the last week. Welcome to the Super Nintendo Exploration Squad podcast, episode 23, a selectbutton.net guide and podcast. Every week, we select three games at random, and you get to vote on which one we play. This time, you picked Spin Dizzy Worlds. We'll be discussing it using the five standardized metrics for scoring a video game. Vanity, Mystery, Poetry, Harmony, and Gun. I'm your host, Courier Rice. Clint's out for the week, uh, off in another town, doing some stuff... Have its fun. So it's me this time. Everyone's favorite person who has no dislike for any games because I'm absolutely insane. And today we're joined by. I'm one second before. I'm Sakarina. I'm Bachelor. And I'm Talpa. I hate controlling a top. And I think Shrug is in here somewhere. He may pop in again at some point. So, we're here for Spin Dizzy Worlds. It's an, uh, an isometric puzzle-slash-exploration title released in 1990 for the Amiga. It would find itself ported to the Atari ST, the Sharp X68K, the NEC PC9801, and it would also, of course, be ported to the Super Nintendo in 1992 in Japan and Europe, and then North America in 93. It is the sequel to the 1986 game Spin Dizzy, and in it you control a top-like machine called the Gerald, a geographical, environmental reconnaissance and land mapping device, and your mission is to explore and chart out a star system before its imminent destruction. This is mostly manual fluff, and the game focuses entirely on navigating strange spaces with unorthodox controls, similar to Marble Madness. It was developed by Electric Dream Software, a subsidiary of Activision. They were also responsible for Millennium, Return to Earth, and its sequel, Deuteros, the next millennium. Music was created by Martin Walker, who would also do the music for Pinball Dreams' Super Nintendo port, as well as ports of games such as Atomic RoboKid, Dragon Breed, Altered Beast, and Galaxy Force 2. In any case, I only asked everyone to play about an hour. How long did Uh, you play, and how far did you get? It looks like Shrug is here. Shrug, say hi. I, I'm been dizzy shrug. Sorry, I was away abruptly. I just found out my brother-in-law lost his job abruptly himself. Oh no, I'm sorry. That sucks. Yeah, don't, that sucks. Don't, yeah, that's... don't work for crazy rich people. 
there is no lesson. There's no lesson we can learn uh, every day. And all rich people are not like other people. So just avoid rich people. There is no moral uh, spin dizzy in late capitalism. Uh, The Getty family is stealing water from the county somewhere in the Bay Area. You heard it here first. I'm breaking the story. They didn't get the water rights. They're taking it anyway. Revenge. That's an exclusive. I'm blowing, I'm blowing it wide open. Sorry, I had to step away. Who's not getting the water rights? The Getty family on one of their properties didn't get the water rights. And then they instructed my brother-in-law to have his crew dig the well anyway. So they're stealing water from the... And he's the getting the fall, county. apparently. No, this was years ago. Um, yeah. Oh, anyway. so it, so it's kind of like fuck those guys here. I'll drop the receipts. Why not? Yeah, sure. In conclusion, that movie that got fucking what do you call it? Kevin Spacey edited out of it. That was in part about the cousin of my brother-in-law's ex-boss. Hilarious. Don't support rich people. It's like it happened to you. And don't support spin dizzy worlds. Oh no. Yeah, it turns out people most of the people here didn't quite care for it. Anyway, uh I only asked everyone to play an hour. How long did you play? How far did you get? I played about an hour. I'm very proud of you. Very good. I died in some lava. Actually, I was still alive in some lava, but I didn't want to go back over all of the switches in order to get a platform to work because it was would have been very tedious so i just stopped i just stopped i think i played about an hour and uh, i think it took about an hour for me to figure out how to control this damn game um I got through some of the tutorial levels. Uh, I didn't get through the whole set of early worlds. This game seems like uh, it's really long. This game seems like you could spend two years playing it and not get to the end. But maybe that's just me looking at it as someone who played one hour. I'm going to get to the end before this podcast ends. Tulpa, you, ma- you maniac. Maybe it's just time dilation. Uh I played it for 30 minutes, although I had the impression that I played it for like five five hours, Um, mostly because I got stuck in the very first tutorial level. I am terrible at switch puzzles and having the first level of the game be a switch puzzle really made it so that I couldn't finish the level. I played for like 10 minutes, then I quit. I'm not getting paid for this. I'm not getting a cut of that Patreon money, baby. You know, I'm not doing this for free. I went and I played the baseball game. That's 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 why I'm here. There's a baseball Same. game. Bachelor statements do not reflect the business practices of snakesploration.com. And I played for about an hour, 40 minutes before the cast, honestly. And then I found out that the emulator tour I was using was too accurate. I mean, the legitimate hardware I was using was too accurate and was dropping inputs all the time and dropping frame rate all the time. So after I downgraded, I was able to actually accelerate, which makes this game far easier. They isn't the thing that like the more accurate a court is, or the more accurate an emulator is, the more it taxes your computer anyway. 
Yeah, but that wasn't the problem at all. Like, none of the cores are tasting out of my computer. As soon as this uh, podcast ends, it's going to turn out your hard drive is actually failing. I'm sorry. That made sense. Uh, oh, and I played this about an hour, and I almost finished uh, the first half of the game, which I'm sure is actually dwarfed by the second half of the game. I think it's titled Easy Dizzy, and the, the harder levels are called Spin Dizzy. Uh, I didn't really have any trouble with it, but I did never learn how to break, which uh, kept me from finishing uh, Easy Dizzy. And I am also the only person here, I think, that actually enjoyed it. Uh, that is perfectly fine, because this is, as much as I would love it to be a purely positive podcast, is <laughs> <It's> not. <laughs> and no, actually, I don't prefer to be purely positive. I'm here to listen to everyone. Uh, let's see. Let's go ahead and jump into Gun. Uh, a, a note I'd like to mention really quick is that uh, when I was searching through Moby Games for this, and it was showing the list of people who had made this, uh, the person listed as producer had a sentence listed by them. I have no idea what the original context for this was. Maybe this is listed in the credits of the game. Maybe it's listed in the manual. Maybe it was on a website or perhaps in some work documents that were not released to the public for a while. But the statement beside the producer's name was, can we give Gerald a gun? What? <laughs> this would have made the game so much better. I think, really would. I think Gerald deserves it. After all Gerald has been through. Gerald is so fragile, uh, Gerald needs to feel the the warmth of a gun in order to feel good about themselves. They can't handle, like, a two-foot drop. Gerald is harassed by many molemen. Gerald needs to give those molemen a taste of their own medicine. That does remind me, uh, there are aliens. The game says, please avoid the aliens. Uh, you are not penalized for it, I think. It might remove from your score at the end, but that is definitely an aspect of the game that has uh, lost its relevance in a day and age where few games are worth competing for score over. Uh, so, uh, naturally, I and, just ran through And this game was never worth competing for score over. That does remind me uh, that... Uh, um, let's see, what was it? Was it the magazine Amiga Power? Uh, they ranked this as the 13th, and I looked this up in event, and apparently it was their list of the overall best games of all time. In their issue number zero, they listed this as number 13. With the first one being Rainbow Islands, the second one being Lemmings. That's about what I can remember. And this game, according to Amiga Power, this is better than Dungeon Master, Ultima 5, New Zealand Story. I mean, that Indiana Jones adventure game, Clax. Do you think this is better than Clax? They both came out know. in the 90s. Better than Bubble Bobble. How bad is the Amiga what? version of Bubble Bobble? That's crazy. 50 slots down. Better than Super Hang On. Better than... Uh, Leisure Suit Larry 3, even... No, this is not better than Leisure Suit Larry 3. Or Loom. Loom is down at 72. I'm going to assume that, like me, they were very, very terrified by Bubble Bobble's uh, void 
and just oh my god they, they say this is much better than tetris tetris is place 85 but it might be a terrible <laughs> okay that's a, that is pretty sketchy pretty sketchy it uh, also thinks but, the golden axe is one spot better than ghouls and ghosts to be fair uh i think the tetris port on the amigo is terrible even so how about they, they think it's better than ik plus God, Amiga gamers are literally the worst species of game player before Gamergate. Long the fact that they the put queen? Rainbow Islands above Bubble Bobble is in itself a tragedy. Gun. You're a top and you don't have a gun. Fuck. You feel as fragile as a real spinning top would. Uh, so I guess there's that. A spinning top made out of glass. It's basically like a marble madness, except you are not a marble, you are a top. You have an accelerate button and a brake button, and you try to stay on paths, and you hit switches, and sometimes you die. And sometimes neither the accelerate nor the brake work. So getting through a bunch of levels that way has made uh, playing the game with uh, working accelerate and brake very easy. So gone, this game is easy and for children. I think in the manual, I actually, no, I should save the manual. Just like guns. Guns. Got a point there. I don't know if children, I would give them the easiest guns to use because if a gun has a lot of controls on them, it might confuse them. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? Uh, I actually did have a note in my notes about what is wrong with the Amiga in general, and it's specifically that it's designed for and by people who love to put up with bullshit because they believe themselves to be the smartest people in the room. Well, they live under a monarchy. Well, yes. Exactly. They live under a monarchy and don't have a written constitution, which uh, makes them feel like geniuses. Galaxy brains. This is a game for galaxy brains. I'm trying to think of a galaxy brain final panel, and the only one that's coming to mind is not related at all. It's just that hand slamming on the button that says nut. Galaxy Brain is Rainbow Islands is better than uh, Bubble Bobble. <laughs> That's a statement. <laughs> no, the Galaxy Brain is New Zealand story is better than Bubble Bobble. I mean, I, I, I do think that top 100 list really proves that uh, the Amiga just fostered a culture of Galaxy Brain thinking. I can't believe Amiga Power invented the top 500 games list. It did. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And honestly, honestly, when I say that it uh, it's a game for people who love to put up bullshit because they think they're super smart and like things that are inaccessible, I am kind of talking about myself, especially when I was 12 years old, because this would have been my jam when I was 12, just because I thought, oh, this game is horrible, but I can see the genius in it. Oh, good. I thought you were going to out me as the actual 12-year-old. My secret is safe. So I am professionally someone who works on user experience research and this game has got my goat i am very mad about this game it violates one of the main principles of ux design which is uh, proper mapping where the controls for the system that you're designing need to map uh one-to-one as close as possible with the outcome uh when you press the control so a good example of this would be up on a keyboard moves the cursor up or moves the uh you know text selector up and down moves it down 
you know, uh, on a D-pad on a controller, when you press the upward part of the D-pad, your character moves up uh, and so on. But in this game, because of the bizarre isometric view, when you press up on the D-pad, your character moves like uh, upright, like moves like northeast on a compass uh, and so on with every direction, which completely violates the principle of good mapping and makes it extremely difficult to get your mind around what your character is going to do when you press any given button. Now, see, that's a kind of a common problem with isometric games in general. Um, Landstalker for the Genesis is the same way, but it's somehow still somewhat intuitive. Uh, I think, uh, see, there's a couple like NES and Super Nintendo games that are together. Tim Fallens did music for them. That uh, Equinox is one of them. Um, Solstice. Solstice, thank you. And uh, I I have not played them, but my impression is that they are probably intuitive given that people like those games. And so I remember as people I was... like a lot of things. Fair enough. But I remember, yeah, yeah as, I agree. As I was playing this, I, uh, I did find that I had my head tilted onto my right shoulder in order to keep track of what directions were what. Because I feel like... I feel like it's either 90 degrees off or something. Maybe it's mirrored the wrong way or I, I don't, I, I don't know what it is, but it did seem like there was just something off about it. Uh, I also think that the uh, somewhat mushy, uh, super Nintendo D pad, which I mean, I was using a, uh, different type of controller for this, but, um, still the kind of D pad, uh, input that you get from the, like that generation would probably not be very good for this type of game. Uh, whereas an Amiga, which would probably have a keyboard for this game. Uh, I feel like it would be easier because it's a lot easier to like, just tap the key and make minute, uh, readjustments. And I feel like that would probably help a lot with the game. But also, like I said, I did not learn to break, which I think stops you on a dime. And that would have made a big difference. It uh, does make a big difference. And uh, pretty much the actual problem with the controls is that this, the physics of your top are just the worst. And the right way to play the game where it becomes just trivially easy is to only press the uh, cardinal directions on your D-pad and break in between each turn because you never have to uh, actually take a diagonal at any point. That's my my big problem with this game is that it is about momentum and acceleration and etc. You know, it's about moving this thing, this physics affected object, up and down slopes and quickly breaking and doing all this stuff. And it seems like there's the potential there for having some kind of joy and movement and manipulating how this motherfucker does its thing. And then it's just this four axis break, 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 stilted affair where you're constantly, you never, you're just fighting how it moves. You're never given any like freedom to uh, actually enjoy 
the feel of uh, the movement because all of the levels are very strict about what you're supposed to do at any given point. So you're just like forced to uh, play in, the, in a way that defeats the entire point of making a Marvel Madness clone. These are very fair points, actually. I, I had, I'm only putting it that together that, yeah, the, uh, there is a, like, stopping is half of what you're doing in this game. Well, and I didn't play this for long, but it seemed like I was spending a lot of time going uphill, which is not really interesting in this sort of thing. You know, like Marvel Madness or like a, a monkey, uh, monkey Island, monkey ball. You know, you're not going up an incline. I don't want to go up an incline as a ball or a top or whatever. I want to go like, you know, I want to be a little wild and, and free. And this is all about just kind of maybe, I don't know. Again, I didn't play long. But I mean, like uh, my favorite of the marble type games is Marble Sagra Kororinpa on the Wii. And uh, in that game, you are often going in every single uh, orthogonal direction in 3D space. And it really works because uh you can you have a lot of choice in how you choose to play the game you can take things carefully or you can take huge risks and uh both things have benefits uh uh in in uh how it plays out in the game the first level the first proper level after the little tutorial pen is you have a field of buttons with a narrow path and there's gems you have to collect in all these corners. Or, and yeah. And then you have all these, these narrow path between those buttons and a button in one corner that you have to hit to raise a block to the teleporter out of the area. So you hit that block or that button in the corner. And then you have to painstakingly inch your way through this field of buttons and that and if you 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 nudge any one of those switches then you have to start all over again and go back and painstakingly inch your way down this narrow path through a field of buttons without hitting anything so you can get underneath that block and get to the teleporter and i feel like that really sets the tone for the game or what i experienced with the game that is kind of a rough level to start on yeah and this game generally does demand like incredibly tight precision at all times while giving you the most like difficult to control uh fast like quickly accelerating like device to control ever i mean you move so you move faster than sonic the hedgehog in this game <laughs> there i said it that's not possible not on the super nintendo we're reaching gerald okay. speeds i think nintendo does what say don't so i say also feel, no say don't um yeah <laughs> sorry uh, <laughs> earlier curry said that the controls seem 90 degrees off but i think really they're 45 degrees off if your d-pad were x-shaped rather than cross-shaped then it would map with uh the way that your character moves um and there's a reason that marble madness uses a trackball uh in its like you know best form and original form because a trackball actually makes sense to control something in an isometric form like this uh yeah, this this D-pad nonsense has just got me angry. 
Maybe this would actually be better with a joystick. Maybe it had a That's joystick. That's what I was going to say. Maybe it had one. Uh, it did have a. You played it with a. You could play it with a joystick on the Amiga. That would I, probably have been better, actually. I have a Ori Fighting Commander Four for some reason, and it has an option where you can loosen up the D-pad and rotate it for ergonomics, and you can't get it far enough over that it's completely, you know, aligns with it properly, but you can get it enough off of the standard axis that I could almost trick my brain into making it seem natural when I was playing this game. So that's a tip. I went and I looked up the Amiga joystick and it's one of those pieces of shit, you know, where you hold it in the palm of your hand and it, it's got four buttons for some reason. And I guess it's meant to be, you know, steered with your, your, your right. It's hand, ambidextrous probably. actually. Yeah. That's why it has four buttons. Yeah. It sucks. Those things. Suck. <laughs> it's accessible. It sucks. <laughs> it, it just sucks. What are we doing? A wonder song podcast. It looks sort of like a penis. So I like that. Looks like a penis with <laughs> testicles. I'd sit on that joystick. <laughs> I would put Too that I would put that joystick into a hole. Stop it. Okay. But it's it's not it's not a thrustmaster level, is it? In any case, uh I think there was a uh mentions of okay, uh so there was a mention of I don't know about Marble Saga, but I know that with uh, uh, Monkey Super Monkey Ball, the situation with that is that you're not controlling the ball, but you're controlling the stage around the ball. And um, while Marble Madness is not that, it does bring to mind a certain difference that that those games have over uh, Spin Dizzy. In that, in those games, you are mostly mostly. Uh, going down an incline you are usually at the mercy of inertia and you have to try and control that whereas in this game you are absolutely trying to deal with your own mistakes of trying to control your distance the if you were like marble madness is compelling because you were already trying to control your speed as you continue to go further down whereas this you are focusing on an exploration and while i think that in its own way is a very interesting variation it does like it's definitely less interesting does that make any sense to anybody or am i just rambling well i, I know what the goal is in marvel madness it's to get to the bottom right what's the yeah. goal in this uh the goal in this is usually to uh find the exit and that involves hitting switches and collecting the uh, little pyramids that will cause the door to open. Yeah, like I had, it seemed like, you know, you're hitting this, you're hitting that, you're going, you're picking up those energy things. Like, I didn't know if I had to get all of them. To get, there was too much going on. And there was not like, you know, like it, it, we, we looked up the Commodore 64 version prior. Like, this is a sequel. The Commodore 64 version looked way better looking. And it seemed like the, it was like a single screen type thing. And that's way more appealing like sprawls like you know like the levels just get big and it has that like you got to rotate in some instances and you got a lot going on i don't want to think that much playing a game not a game where you're playing a dreidel 
<laughs> and let's talk about that rotation because we haven't talked about that yet. I was just about you, to bring that up. Go on. Yeah, if you press the L or R button, <clears throat> then you rotate the stage uh, and your view of the stage. And that's cool, but the real problem here is that there's a loading time when you do that. Like, you have to, the screen goes black for like two or three solid seconds and you have to wait. That is unconscionable. It's like, yeah, as soon as I did that, I was immediately like, oh God, I am never hitting that button again. Because it's just, the, the, uh, that loading segment actually causes more disorientation than you would have from just leaving it alone. That's true. That's like if you were uh, playing a VR game and it like warped you somewhere suddenly, you'd be like, whoa, you know, you get a stomach ache. That, weirdly enough, does apply to the, the rotation in this. It doesn't play a sound effect or anything, does it? It just, you know, it just cuts. And it doesn't work in every room. I'm not so, well, like, I mean, I'm, I can forgive it not working in every room because like sometimes you just design it because you want it to look a certain way. But it does kind of it, it's not helpful. And it they should probably th throw up a little thing ahead of time to say this room doesn't change. Yeah, well, I mean, they have there's like an in the lower left corner of the screen, I think there, there's an L and R indicator. Oh, but never it's mind. Always lit right. up. It, it doesn't dim. When you can't rotate, I don't think. It dims, but barely. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I, I drank about half a beer while I played this game, so <laughs> I was really out of it. <laughs> did you call 911? I think maybe my listeners did, because I was so hot on GamerStream last night. They were worried it was going to burn down the house. That makes sense. So is that about all we got to say for Gun? Or we have we pretty much covered the mechanics? We talked about the aliens. Oh, did you guys notice that there's... Actually, wait. No, I'm going to save that for Vanity because it is aesthetic-based. Anything else? Yeah, uh, I think like the one positive thing I can say about this game is that the physics do actually feel pretty good, and they're a little bit impressive for the Super Nintendo, but the rest of the game is so terrible that it cancels out any novelty about the physics being good. Okay, I think that's... Uh... Oh, Bachelor has posted. Uh, <laughs> Bachelor has posted um, the images in the game that they show on the attract mode of the different types of quote unquote jewels to collect for energy. One of them is a color changing pyramid. One is kind of a rotating diamond. One is a flag, and one appears to be a P. And one is Gerald. So <sighs> this makes me angry. Can, but I just, uh, Maybe I do to correspond with Gerald the top. There's also a Gerald the bottom. But there's oh boy, I'm waiting for Gerald on the switch. <laughs> also, my favorite little detail is those peas when you collect them in game. The sound effect is very clearly someone saying, "Oh." Yeah, it's the best sound effect ever. Uh, I was playing this, uh, and my girlfriend was watching an. Like, the only fun part about this game was every time I collected one of those, we both went, oh. Nice. Also, Bachelor Ooh. also just sh shared a picture that this game is full of switches. So, hey, it works. Uh, spin they, control, they pull the strings. They control all the other objects. Spin oh. Dizzy Worlds is gay culture. Oh. Oh. Okay, okay. <laughs> Moving on. Oh. Uh, oh. Next up is Vanity.
How do we feel about the vanity in this game? Game's ugly. The music's great. Some Let's music talk is about okay. the music for a while, because it's so much better than anything else about this game. I just want to say, uh, in terms of color schemes, we've had much uglier, muddier games on here. We played Lord of the Rings. So, like, I'll take this over that. I still think that hey, this is Lord, Lord of the Rings was surprisingly atmospheric in parts. This is much, much, much uglier. I agree. Lord and of the Rings I... had cool lighting effects, at least. This game is like... Uh, a grid it's like you're playing on graphing paper with like a really ugly palette and the aliens are like just like balls with weird faces on i i hate this game it is I, so damn ugly i gotta it, say it, though those like, grid that grid is important for being able to position yourself otherwise i would never know how to get in front of a ramp which in its own way is a problem but it, it, it looks like, you know, you've got a grid and you've got, like, you're surrounded by, like, asphalt, maybe? And, like, sometimes grass? It, it, it's not an attractive game. And I thought maybe this is one of those games where they just struggled to adapt it from the Amiga to the Super Nintendo. You know, maybe they farmed it out to some, you know, team. But no, the Amiga version looked like shit. And that's really weird because Amiga games, the one thing they have look, going for them is that they look good. Paul Shirley, you have a lot to answer for. This game's color palette looks like... I mean, it's like the Staples color palette. Like the office store Staples. Like you're like playing on the entire catalog of supplies from Staples. <laughs> I mean, like I just found like if you go Google Spin Dizzy World, it looks like, you know... You're, you, the Spin Dizzy World is going through like the worst drought in recorded history. It just looks like a bunch <laughs> of like... Dead grass. It's ugly as hell. Well, it is about to be destroyed. So. Yeah, it is a dying planet. So, well, and that's. I mean, lore explanations are not. I mean, the end all be all. Are but they dying planets, or is is spin is Gerald going through these worlds, destroying them? Because every world you go through, it blows up when you beat the level. Oh boy. The, can the canon is that you are supposed to map them before they are destroyed. So something has marked these planets for destruction, and Gerald is there to collect the data before they are destroyed. Gerald oh. is the unfeeling tool of the uh, oppressors just wiping out the universe. What if you're like Galactus's herald in this... And, and what is this like on the on the is the alien? I didn't actually run into the aliens, but on the you know, on the title screen, you know, Sakarina just said, "What is Daffy Duck doing there?" <laughs> and that's what it looks like. It looked like are, are the aliens ducks or penguins or something? I thought that was like a weird mole man. I just think everything is a mole man in this game. I just realized that there are aliens on these planets that are marked for destruction. Why aren't you saving them? <laughs> I just being that, told to avoid them instead of kill them, which you can do. I think this whole thing about uh, Gerald being there to map the planets before they're demolished. I think this is an allegory about um, the conflict in the archives world about whether or not to destroy the original object after you've digitized it. Which obviously the right answer is you always keep the original object because 
uh, whenever you digitize something in like three years, there's going to be some new way to digitize that's going to be higher resolution or better. So you got to keep the original so you can do that again. So uh, this game is uh, on the wrong side of that argument. It's propaganda. I see it. It's got swastikas. Don't correct me on that. Yeah. Uh, Hitler was infamous for his backwards looking um, archiving practices that was basically his greatest crime if anyone wants more reasons to feel ambivalent or uh conflicted about paul shirley uh his credits for being the director or his directing credits are spin dizzy spin dizzy world and a game called confusion spelled with a z the most heinous of spellings i ship it so what was being said about the music again? Oh, I think the music is genuinely pretty good. Like, uh, like it seems like that's a thing that people actually put effort into in this game. I think the tutorial stage had really annoying music, but after that, it did improve. Yeah, I agree with that. The tutorial stage had a pretty just generic Super Nintendo track. But then I got to some... Uh, God, I don't know. It was like the level with the... Uh, gargoyle heads or something it had like uh a kind of mysterious like ambient track with a a, a really weird piano melody now and then that i kind of liked there's a very slight moodiness to it and i can that's always a plus for anything especially with super nintendo games where moodiness is either uh inherent to the system or hard to produce <laughs> it depends on your take Yep. Let's just move uh, on talk about. Oh, sure, all at once, all at once. Uh, but yeah, uh, with regards to the music, I am grading on a curve because it's still Spin Daisy Worlds. There was something I was going to say before about Vanity, and I'm blanking on it, and I can only apologize to everyone. Um, is it about how like all like all the obstacles look like jacks or something? No, <laughs> but that is an interesting point. How do you play Jax? What is Jax? Oh, that's the most mysterious of all children's games. I think the idea is you you uh, have to bounce a ball, and as it's bouncing, you pick up one. You like you pick up Jax, and each time it bounces, you have to pick up more Jax than you did previously. It's a God. it's one of those games where you're like, God, I want to be an adult. Yeah, like right now I'm really starting to reappreciate Spin Dizzy Worlds. You know what this game looks like? It looks like a like the the graphics for a big corporate seminar in 1993. <laughs> yes, exactly. Are you talking about the the salary man game? No, I'm talking about Spin Dizzy. Okay, cuz I was I had a very different uh seminar in my head looking at the screenshot that uh bachelor posted oh we're not we're not there yet man we're not there yet we just want to get to the fireworks factory and the fireworks factory is a coca-cola branded baseball game starring a bunch of furries no spoilers but but that is what it is this game looks like you've gone on a retreat to like do ayahuasca with your boss at staples 
Did someone rip off the graphics from this game for a Vaporwave album cover yet? Because that's pretty much the only good thing about this game. I mean, the track mode has some good text, but I assume we're saving that for later. I do appreciate they helpfully point out that lava burns. And that Jack's kill. You step on that, it's going to fucking hurt. Jack's does kill. Everyone's seen that video from the end of Mortal Kombat where he, like, drops somebody off a cliff, right? Yeah, it's a brutality. No, it's a fatality. It's a brutality. Looking at this now, like, half the objects in this game are some form of pyramid. So some of the pyramids are aliens. Some of them are these kill. And some of them recharge your energy. Like, there's a lot... A lot of work being done by pyramids, and and even then, um, Daryl or whatever the fuck your name is in this game, he, he, the top looks like an inverted pyramid. Let's save the Illuminati stuff for mystery. <laughs> you Hold know on, what? I fucking is? beat Easy Dizzy World. Oh shit, Lord Gamer, all hail. Good job, Chilpa. This game looks like uh, um, this game looks like it would be hidden inside of um. Microsoft Office 1995. Like you press the right set of keys and it comes up. Tulpa just linked to a, a screenshot they took, and it's using some CRT filter that looks like you're either you're watching this on like public access video drum. Well done. Now try spin dizzy. You can do it with spaces in front of the exclamation marks. And yeah, yeah. and and uh, quotes around spin dizzy. Oh, uh, we failed to mention that for whatever reason, they decided to render the level select as a 3D spinning mini solar system or something, uh, which just makes it much harder than it should be to actually pick what level you're going to. It is actually pretty hard to pick the level because the the world can go spinning by. But I really like the touch of not being able to select further worlds because they are obscured by the worlds in front of them. And when you... Uh, finish a world watching it explode a job well done we did the right thing we, Wait, we what recorded are the, the advanced info. controls or is that advanced difficulty uh, i'm not sure that, yeah it's probably difficulty uh, i'm, I'm that i know that hard uh, enough as it is <laughs> i know the speed runs on youtube for this have uh pick spin dizzy worlds the 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 spin dizzy segment of worlds uh, on easy controls or easy difficulty and because it's just it just saves time imagine that oh you know what some of the menu options uh on the start screen are pretty weird um i don't have it open in front of me but there's one that said wind back world that was the first thing i pressed because i was like how is there an option to wind back the world on the start screen. When I oh, that's what I did too. Yeah, so I looked it up because I really didn't even know what it did even after I did it. It turns out that when you wind back the world, like, it reverts your progress in the game by one level. So you, like, are deleting the last part of your save and then going back to your save as it was before that, which is a really weird feature. It's, it's a for when... Go on. It's for when you really love how spin dizzy that spin dizzy level made you and you just have to play it again. You love the mole men. You love the switches. 
You love the hills. You love graphing paper. You love jacks. You love feeling like you are on the cover of a Sega Master System game. And everything is lovely. And you just have to do it again. Can I keep talking? I don't know. No. You love the game. You are a game lord. You love to spin. Oh. You are a spin lord. Oh. Oh. Yeah, anyway, it just seemed, uh, it seems like a very reasonable feature to me. I, I, I looked it up as well, and it made sense to me as someone who plays a lot of NES games, because uh, if I understand correctly, your fuel resources are consistent across the levels and so their idea was that you can wind back a level and you can do that multiple times in a row to keep on winding back in order to uh redo them in order to try to have more fuel when you get to a later level this is something that's been consistent with nes playthroughs where you try to uh where as you start over and replay you'll try to conserve more lives that does make sense. It's weirdly a thoughtful thing to allow you to do, I guess. It's just like the way they present it is both poetic and completely incomprehensible. It is. Mind back world. It, it is that. It is very. It's very strange. And that's uh, probably one of the bits of charm of the game is its obfuscation in what should be really convenient mechanics. That's kind oh. of a weirdly from software kind of thing to do. Boom. I mentioned dark souls. There we go. We're done. Wrap it up, boys. <laughs> That's Paul a podcast. Shirley. Paul Shirley is there for you. Thanks, Paul. So you undo the destruction of the planet just so you can selfishly run in there and leech off as much of their natural resources as possible before you blow it up again. Got it. Look, I'm just saying, it's the British. Oh, I just did my first sequence break in this game. I think I'm coming around to this game actually being great. No, I'm not. It's really bad. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to mystery then, because we seem to be pretty. We pre seem to have pretty much drained the vanity, which I'm surprised by, because I thought that would be the biggest segment. Uh, what is mysterious about this game to you? How it was allowed to be released in the first place. Oh, it's going to be like that. No, go on. <laughs> no, I actually do find it mysterious that there are so many Amiga ports of games that are just not good. I... What is mysterious to me is why it does not have a audio section is fascinating and a, or a section of its Wikipedia page is fascinating as the one uh, for uh, the one for Paul Shirley's earlier work Confusion uh, which explains that the cassette tape on which the game Confusion with a Z was supplied I also contain an audio track titled Confusion Without a Z, which was composed by the band Private Property. That's band Private Property. But that's all in uppercase, so that's confusing. 
confusion. Matt that's Smith weirdly, lyrics. Uh, sorry, that's a weirdly Marxist band name. No. Matt Smith lyrics, Joanne Holt slash Steve Salt music, and performed by Joanne Holt, Matt Smith, Steve Salt, Chris Weller, and Gary Seward. Rob Hubbard translated the original track into the game soundtrack. The band's persuaded incentive software to change their audio cassette duplication process from monophonic to stereophonic so that the music could be better appreciated. Mono was fine for the computer program data, which was distributed on cassette tapes in the 80s. Matt Smith, PhD, has now switched from playing music on computer games to teaching and writing books about computer games. He is the senior lecturer in computing at the Institute of Technology, Blanchardstown, Dublin, Ireland. Joanne married Steve, that's nice, and is a teacher. Steve is a cabinet maker in Oxfordshire. The graphic design for the cover of the cassette was created by Matthew Tidbury. Matthew is the creator of a board game, City of Zombies, to help children have fun and learn about maths. <laughs> the rich. <laughs> that is what I generally tend to, th- what I think of when I think of the apocalypse. The rich, rich, rich legacy of the audio cassette on which was delivered confusion with a Z. Is there anything in the whole history of the Spin Dizzy franchise that matches this? I don't, I, yeah. I don't know if anyone could claim that they know something that matches that considering there's just not very much else. Also, uh, Tuple posted a screenshot that reminded me the thing I was trying to remember for Vanity is that there is a Pac-Mania-styled level in this with enemies styled like Pac-Mans, and the world of that level is titled Pac-P-A-K Attack. It's all the world's ugliest Pac-Mania. They're green. Those look like the sexy green M&M. The walls. <laughs> they could really have stood to make the aliens look a little more uh, sympathetic. The walls could. look like Lego bricks. If if the Lego bricks were the color of a chicken McNugget, like the the the, the color palette in this game, I'm sorry, I'm going off on this game, but it looks like they were like you know, like this was like they switched it from the NES to Super NES at the last minute, which clearly wasn't the case because I don't know why you would choose these colors. They're revolting, reprehensible. It is true that Pac Mania had prettier colors than this, though Pac Mania also had like a le- a Lego looking level. It was good. Rest in peace, Pac Mania. Can we talk about Pac-Land? No. I need Pac. <laughs> uh, so, a bit of mystery, because I like the atmosphere of this game, and I like the the, the holes left in the, um, in the, the little cannon they sort of wrote, and by the holes, I mean the 70, 80, 90% of stuff that is just not there. Uh, I can't quite remember, but I think in the manual... It worded how you fall into water uh, strangely. It seemed like it worded it in a way that when you fall into water, you don't actually, 
you aren't actually dead or destroyed. You were just down there. So I, I don't have it on me, but, um, but it just, it, it made me think that, uh, either the possibility that, it, that I should interpret it either that, um, if that were a game over state, then Gerald is simply down there in the water indefinitely or oh, got it. that they uh, have dropped great. off a second Gerald. Oh, go ahead. I found the quote. It says water. Gerald cannot drown or float. So avoid water. Yes, that's it. Okay. So the thing is that Gerald cannot drown. So Gerald doesn't die. Gerald just falls in the water and then can't get out. And so Gerald's just stuck there forever. And I think that implies that they just are like, well, fuck it. And they release a second Gerald. <laughs> How yeah. many Geralds are just littering these planets? Is that why they blow up the planet, all the planets, after they're fully mapped? Because there are secret Gerald technologies trapped on them, and they don't want the, any aliens to pick up their... Uh, can't they just have an auto-destruct in the Geralds? I think the problem is that these planets are so loaded with forgotten Geralds that have been dropped in water that um, they are dying as a result. And so you were just sending Geralds trying to map things out to make up for the previous Geralds. Eventually you... There's became... a shark on one of these stages. There's a shark in this game. It's actually now good. Eventually you attain a sort of critical mass of Gerald's and they explode spontaneously. I mean, that's what I was interpreting that all of the Gerald's are actually secretly, uh, uh, just explosives meant to destroy the worlds that you are ostensibly mapping. Would you say that this is Geraldification? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. This is the greatest episode. So anyway, about the Illuminati, uh, everything is a pyramid, as as uh, Bachelor has pointed out, and therefore Illuminati. Were there any eyeballs? Maybe they're hiding it. They're occluding their eyeballs because they don't want us to know. Hiding things equals more Illuminati. Is Gerald Illuminati? Fuck. Is Gerald Jay-Z? Is Gerald Jay-Z? Hey, who wants to talk about the salary man corner? Yes, is Gerald please, Jay-Z? Yes, yes, please, please. Is okay. Gerald Jay-Z? All right, so uh, for the salary man this corner, uh, Clint was not around to Gerald pick out the. Fuck with Shrug, I'm putting you in the corner. So Clint wasn't around this time to pick out the salary man game. So and or and I didn't have access to the list and the the randomization of it. So I just decided to pick the first one I saw, and it happened to be one that I thought was a good pick. It is called Doloki no Kuyasakiyu. Uh, wait, Doloki no Kusayakiyu. Yeah. Um. It is 
It is a baseball title. Uh, Giant Bomb says the name translate to Dolucky's Grass Baseball with the yucky you part of the title representing a pun, given that baseball is normally uh, spelled and pronounced yucky, not yucky you. Uh, they go on to describe the game as a comical baseball game with teams that consist exclusively of particular types of animals that are named after Coca-Cola products, as well as prominently featuring the Neko, N-E-C-O, company's cat mascot, Dolucky. Originally, an American translation was planned of this game by Technos and was going to be named Zooball, but it never came to be. How long did you guys play this? Because I only you're only required to play for about five minutes. I, I ended up playing it for about 20 minutes. I did not play this game. I watched Bachelor stream it yesterday. So, uh, which is to say, I watched a bunch of rabbits fumble every ball, and then I watched a bunch of cats fumble every ball. But it was still entertaining. I didn't play it because I'm me. I played it for about an hour because this game is so much better than the actual game we're supposed to be playing this week. I am looking at a picture of Jay Z, Beyonce, and their kid courtside at a basketball game and it was taken by Gerald Herbert. Oh no. They named their kid I think they named their kid courtside? Yes. Definitely. I played this game for about fifteen minutes. I played it I don't know how long because I, I, I drank that one beer and got real rowdy on gamer stream. I could have played it all night. I mean, I fell asleep while you were playing it, watching you play it, and so, for all I know, you are still playing it. I could be. I, I, I did stop because I wanted to get caught up on some other stuff, and also everyone left. But, okay, this game isn't good, but it's good. This game is good, though. I uh, It's very difficult, but I really appreciate that, um, unlike every other baseball game I've seen on, like, the Famicom... Um, of which there were so many. Uh, this has many different modes. It has like some. It has an RPG mode. It's got modes that are related to practicing. There is a practice mode uh, dedicated to catching, and there's a practice mode dedicated to batting. And batting mode uh, has interactable objects in the background, such as trees and animals in those trees, and a UFO that goes by, and. Uh, there's different. There's like two different characters you can pick from to pitch to you. I only tried one of them. I don't know how the rest of it, how the other one goes, but the one I picked was a, a fox that would transform into a pitching machine, and I proceeded to uh, hit maybe two balls correctly because, damn, it's hard. And the catching one is interesting because uh, I think a wolf yells at you and tells you to go to a certain part of a field and it's your job then to try to be able to run around and catch the balls as they come to you and that's when i learned that there's like different ways of getting around like besides the regular movement there's a little slide and besides the slide if you're not moving when you hit that button you do a jump into the air and when you jump into the air if you hit a directional button you do a double jump sending you flipping through the air and there's just like a surprising amount of like little things in this game you can bunt, you can hit, there's special attacks to that allow you to uh, obscure the screen, which doesn't really work very well against computers. And it's just so cute. I'm super down for cute animals playing baseball and ninja chickens. Every yeah. one of these animal teams represents a soft drink from the Coca-Cola company. 
but I didn't recognize a lot of these. A lot of these must be Japanese market only. Yeah. Like there's some coffee brands in there. There's the Aquarius energy drink. Uh, there's Vegeta Beta, which is a beta carotene like vegetable drink that they have. Uh, there's a bunch of random stuff uh, that's Japan only in there. There's so much charm in this game. It's really, really cute. Um, the games are commentated by Sakurai the monkey and Steve the koala. Uh, and they're really cute. Um there's a watch mode where you can watch the CPU play against itself, which is probably the correct thing to do because the game is incredibly difficult. However, um, even the CPU has trouble playing the game. And like we were talking before the show about how it's really easy to get fouls and balls uh, as you play those game. Well, the CPU is no exception if it's playing against itself, um, which is kind of cool. And I have a bit of poetry. I have translated the story from the RPG mode. Yes. Okay, so this is kind of ridiculous, but we'll go with it. Forest animals discovered the fun of baseball, but then they received a threatening letter in the mail from the Empire Hell Thunder Destroyers telling them that they aren't taking baseball seriously enough and challenging them to a duel to show them how real baseball is meant to be played. The eight teams of forest animals can't agree on which of their teams should be the representative of the animals, so they challenge each other to become undefeated amongst their teams, and that team is going to be the representative against this the Empire Hell Thunder you are, descri- you are describing <laughs> the plot of Space Jam. I, I was going to say, oh god, the villains are Dark Souls fans. This is, this is one of the greatest sports games on the Super Nintendo, probably. The only downside is that baseball is barely a sport, so it's unfortunate that it had to be this and not like basketball or another Whoa, real sport. A hot take. I on this baseball. podcast i think baseball is so good because it is so boring i think it's just, it's nice just to have a game where nothing happens it's a game about failing you are always failing like that, that i had to get in that mindset when playing this because like i'm used to like you know i used to be really into baseball games when i was a kid i love baseball stars for neo geo that's a good one um and I knew how to like hit home runs with every dude, and it was really easy. But in this game, this game's kind of like real baseball because you are going to strike out, and you are like, who, who, who is that asshole who logged onto my gamer stream last night and told me I sucked? I Did saw that. I was wondering about that. Like this game just attracted some completely unknown random person who was like, I have got to watch someone stream this. How does Here's- someone even find this game on Twitch? Like. Man- they must have known who I am. I think I've recognized their name, but I, I just looked over to my to my left and I said, see, you know, you fucking suck. I'm like, what? Whoa. So I'm uncalled getting, for. Yeah, come on, baby. I'm playing a cute furry baseball game. But yeah, like you, like it's hard as hell. It's hard to hit. It's hard. Like my, I, I don't know if I was doing something incredibly wrong because I had a hard time just throwing to the proper bases, which seems like a real basic like thing you could just, you could do that on the Famicom, baby. And also, you, I have never seen a game where the fielders are more prone to playing errors, making errors. Like, you are constantly dropping balls. Oh, does anyone want to hear the funny... Like, okay, so I saw when you were playing, the computer at one point seemed like they were adjusting either stats or picking a special technique or something. Like, you got to see the computer actually stop mid-game and go through a menu. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah, okay, so when I was playing at one point, uh, I was like, 
I think I kept hitting to the left or something, or, well, actually, I mean, I was just hitting fouls constantly. Um, but at one point, the computer, like, stopped to adjust the placement of all their uh, outfielders, or whatever they're called. I know, I know what a sport is. And they, like, deliberately bunched all of them over to the left side of the field over the diamond. And so when... I like hit the ball out. They all like grouped together and grabbed it. I was like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, I mean, it's, it's got some depth to it. I mean, like, I thought maybe I kept dropping balls because I was playing RPG mode and I had to level up my team. But then I failed, and like, it, when I, I think when you fail in when you lose the game, you can't continue. Like, you don't seem to be able to level up your stats. You just like gotta replay that first fight fight yes the first game which is against a team of bears the bear pitcher pulls the ball from his you know shorts from his groin area oh my god for every pitch there is no way he's not like he's not he's 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 fighting dirty he's I doing some a, real i think that's a belly warmer but oh, yeah it's still weird. oh my Oh no! Look, it's right there. He's he, right. I have that screenshot right there. He's got that the, those pants, and he's definitely rubbing honey all over that ball. He is playing dirty. I think he's like getting his bare funk all over it. So when it gets close to you, you're repelled by his intense bare musk, and maybe you'll recoil. Yeah, or maybe you'll crowd the plate and it'll hit you. I did get hit by a pitch more than once. Hi, mom. Dead body. Hi, hi, Curry's mom. Also, one of the great things about it is like every single time, like, you know, you get a foul or, you know, whatever, you know, it like, it, you know, flashes Japanese text and says, you know, like foul. But also it uh provides a little translation. I mean, a pronunciation guide underneath for in like English. But I'm not sure it's actually accurate. No, I think it's accurate. It's just very weird and unexpected. Uh, another cool thing about this game is when you get a home run, uh, which I never got a home run, but the CPU did uh, a couple times. And there are like two different home run animations. One of them is just standard home run. And the other one, as Stan just put in the chat, is you shoot it out into space and it hits another planet. And then the planet just sort of wakes up from its slumber and says, like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> <laughs> Also, I you, I see the screenshot there, and it shows the uh, the moon has a face that's kind of an anime like, huh? I'm just waking up, or like, oh. what's going on? But um, when I was viewing this on my phone, I couldn't make up the details of that face. All I could see were the details of the texture of the moon itself, which, from my perspective, looked like a skull, <laughs> which was just kind of another level of weird added to the moon saying like "ow" or something. If you hit it more than once, like if there are more than one home runs in a game, uh, I notice the animation changes and eventually the moon or the planet or whatever starts crying. Oh, yeah. Aww. And it's it's easy to hit a home run because like I think you have a limited amount of like uh, power hits. If you hit the R button, you just like pretty much automatically hit a home run. I never you figured that have- out. Yeah, you you also have like super pitches. I don't yeah. know if I ever did one. Yeah, I, I did all the pitches and stuff, but I never figured out the timing for hitting R for the bat. Yeah, I don't know. I just hit it at the plate and it just went boom right out of the park. And not, uh, it, it, it's a really hard game. It, it's like I've never played a baseball game this difficult. 
and yet I mean, that know. makes me want to get good at it because I am oh. the twelve-year-old tulpa. Are there any hogs in it? Mm, no, they're fuck cops. this game. Yeah, it's a fair point. There are gorillas. I went for the gorillas at first, but then I decided no. Like, because there's a team of rabbits. The rabbits look really cool. You know, they're all like, you know, they're they're wearing sunglasses. They look like they're going to party. So it's like, I'm going to go with the rabbits. And I went with them and I'm dropping balls and I can't hit anything. And these bears are just steamrolling me. And I'm like, nuts to this. I'm I'm going to pick the Coca-Cola loving cats. Right. They they got to they seem to be the stars of this game. I bet maybe maybe the bunnies are cool, but they they, I, they seem to be representing what some beta carotene drink. You know, they, yeah. They, they, yeah, something healthy. So maybe maybe that's maybe I shouldn't be going for healthy. Maybe I should be going for like real deal. You know, Oakland A's Bash Brothers shit. That's got to be the Coca Cola cats. And they were. Their pitching seemed to be a little better, and I think I got a little more hits, but you know, I think the game actually the the coolest character in the game, it, like um your cleanup hitter. Um when they come to the the plate, they will uh you know do a little animation and the rock and roll, I mean the cool rabbits, like the 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 home run cleanup hitter, you know, he pulls out a, a flying V and just starts shredding at the plate, just like going, doing some real rock and roll shit and it's very cute i forget what the cat does though i know one of them has like if you when you make the um home run thing when you hit r the bat turns into like a giant piece of shrimp uh so i think giant bomb actually says that the final team that you fight the the hell thunder whatsoever's they are uh are actually fleas which makes sense that people who insist <laughs> that you need to get better at games are pests <laughs> Even though I am that person. <laughs> well, I was hoping that, you know, like if you kept hitting home runs, it would like awaken whoever, whatever aliens, or maybe this was uh, one second before his idea that it would awaken uh, aliens on that other planet and they'd come down and they'd like, you know, want to settle the score in baseball because you keep annoying them. Oh, yeah. What I was saying was uh, when Bachelor hit the hit Mars with a baseball bat, I was saying like, Oh, you just contaminated the Martian biosphere with Earth bacteria. That is no good. Yeah, I was thinking maybe the more home runs you hit, the more bacteria, like the better they get and they come down. You have to, you know, I really put a lot of thought into this game while I was playing it. It really, it's very good. Y'all might be pleased to hear or perhaps displeased to hear, but uh, when I was picking this out, uh, there there are other Dolucky sports games um, and the one that I passed up on because we recently played a similar game uh, was their soccer game. And from the screenshots I saw, the, sc- the soccer game might have bosses. I thought I saw, like, a giant robot at one point on the field. Like, this is the good shit. Yep, another cool animation you get while playing this game is after the seventh inning, or maybe before the seventh inning, um, your team gets really amped up, especially if you're behind, and they start chugging whatever drink they're supposed to represent in the animation, uh, which I found very cute. And this might be one of the greatest branded games of all time. Even better than uh, Motoko-chan no Wonder Kitchen? Well, no, no, let's not exaggerate. It's better than Pepsi Man. Like, does Pepsi Man have anything as good as Empire Hell Thunder Destroyers? Because that's the enemy in this game. 
It has uh, an American man who just speaks English during Japanese cutscenes. Typical. This has look at those elephants. They're, the the elephant team represents Sprite, and like all, almost all the animals look really fucking stoned. Which the is elef- another one of the things that's really good about it. The elephants are very concerned about stomach aches. Wait, what, what drink do the cocks represent? What do you think? I'm not gonna make. Uh, I'll check. Give me a second. Oh, it's Coke Light. I think it's like a diet or something. A diet variant. Coke light is diet. Coke light is diet. Coke. It's a Some like, I, fucking I, aspartame obsessed chickens. Fun. That's not what I want, you know, for my cocks. I, a, right, a little... The other thing we don't have here is high C, which is like a high vitamin C sports drink e thing, except carbonated. It's oh, weird because me. we have high C, but it's not a sports drink. Yeah, high C is. Oh, a thing. sorry, I don't have it in Canada. It's it's not carbonated here. Yeah, the U.S. does have high C. Uh, I feel like it used to be more prominent than it is now, but maybe it's because I'm not a child now. But I haven't seen high C around lately. Yeah, it was very much like you know that's the sort of stuff they'd give us in, in nursery school. That I think the idea juicy was juice. I think it was meant to be like more natural seeming because I def- like I remember as a kid drinking it and had an allergic reaction. Slightly less foul and unnatural and tang, but not by much. It, it, it's probably better in sunny delight. I don't think high C was the drink of astronauts, though. High C uh, came in ecto cooler flavor, which was green but tastes like orange, and had uh, fucking what's his face from Ghostbusters? Slimer was on it. Bill Murray, you mean? Yeah, Bill Murray. It was Murray juice. You could drink Bill Murray's juice. I know someone who would love green. to. Ecto Cooler was good. It was. Someone posted a picture of a can? A can. Like a steel can of high C orange drink. This is the, oh, this is the olden days. This, before. this takes me back to the days of being a kid and drinking out of drinking pineapple juice out of steel cans and really hurting my chapped lips yeah it's 10 percent fruit juice that's how you know it's good for you that's 10 percent. and here i was thinking it was supposed to be uh much more natural ecto cooler was i guess supposed to be you were drinking the ectoplasm from slimer is that it it yeah there was some weird kink shit going on there slimer sweat i just had slimer in a chamber and we're making him go through the rounds just sloughing off Slimer juice. I'm just not really here Bouncing about around that chamber. Drinking that beer. Slimer is immortal, so they can do that. I mean, he's a ghost, you know. It's good for your skin. Mm. Slimer is a renewable source of energy. Yeah, why haven't we been eating ghosts? You know, I feel like I should have an answer for that. Eat a ghost, make a ghost power plant. Uh, what else can you do with a ghost? You can haunt. Don't say fuck a ghost. No, no, you you haunt. You can use it to haunt people, and then like you know, in in a, you know, they have to prove whether or not they're worthy of your inheritance. I think that's a part of ghost culture that I don't want to like tread on. 
Ghosts, only ghosts can decide who to haunt. Also, Gerald Finley is a Canadian bear to an opera singer, and you can get his work on title. Coincidence? It make you think. What also make you think is the poetry section. Which we're moving to. Because we're talking about ghosts now. Was there any more of the uh, uh, story to um, the baseball game? Uh, lucky whatever? No. Okay, so, so it was literally... I interrupted at the right time to shout about Space Jam. Yes. Poetry. I, yeah. I, I was just thinking about poetry because that's the only game that has poetry. There's no poetry in Spin Dizzy. There's a lot of like 90. No, actually, there's. Oh, there's a lot of 90s uh, nostalgia going on in this cast today between Space Jam and High C and stuff. Uh, but yeah, I actually have a bit for poetry uh, because uh, I was looking through the manual and there were some notes at the end of the manual that the manual text as I found online because I couldn't find actual manuals for this anywhere whether for the Amiga or for the Super Nintendo version uh, this was a very mysterious game to try and research but the the manual text that was available was in all caps and it makes it seem a little belligerent uh, let me read what it says here it says here at the very end of the manual for general advice look at the map if a level starts with a timer, this will pause the game and give you breathing space to plan ahead. Think devious. Dot, 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 dot. There are no deliberate attempts to build optical illusions into the scenery. Wherever possible, what you see is what it is really there. Levels have been tested thoroughly to make sure you cannot get stuck in impossible situations. If you seem stuck, it is most likely that you are not, in fact, stuck. I apologize for the few places I did not spot or left in. Look at the clues. Do not assume they mean what you think they do. Think more deviously. Be prepared to make sacrifices. Look in unusual places. Think really deviously. Use your wheels. It is what they are for. This makes me kind of miss the days when uh, games were just, I mean, like commercially released. Man, I don't know. Maybe it is still like this. But I was missing the days when like people had personal computers and were just one person making a game and putting it out there and it would get like a full physical release but yeah it I sounds realized, very indie it's now just like steam it's... is a thing so like i guess it's still like that yeah in the case of sonic attack on your district follow and, these rules and the thing i don't miss uh of that era of hobby computer game design is that uh so much of it had this uh, hyper-adversarial attitude where uh, the game designers would just uh, make their levels in a way uh, that it taunted the player or the beta tester or whatever just because they thought it was funny to see players fail. Are you still upset about uh, the easy baby mode on Wolfenstein 3D? Oh, no. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm thinking of stuff like... Um, uh, an anecdote from the development of Ultima 8, I think, uh, where a programmer was hiding bombs behind trees. Uh, and when asked why he was doing that, he just said, oh, I think it's really funny when uh, the player dies for no reason. <laughs> That's terrible and great.
And Spin Dizzy Worlds feels very much part of that same culture where uh, where it's very much just sadistic trolling of the player. I yeah. I really can't say if I got like I can't vouch for the spin dizzy segment in the game to see how cruel it would get. The the parts that I did play seemed perfectly benign, but I that would be I I would love to have some of the the crazier parts, some of the more uh mean-spirited stuff documented. So, I just found this article in the Sun. Uh headline is Beyonce looks fresh-faced and toned as she hits spin class with Jay-Z. I told you. I told you. Spin Jay-Z worlds. It really makes you think. I like how the poetry segment really is pretty much just that that one part I found. That manual did um, seem a little belligerent, though. Do you want me to read this article about Mariah Carey? No, please. <laughs> blocking your ears. Do not waste time seeking a soundproof shelter. I will take. I will occupy this poetry corner to uh, make a plea to the benevolent overlords of this podcast. Please let's shunt the rest of the Amida. Uh, ports into salary man corner oh, because absolutely not. So Don't ruin the brand. Swap out the Amiga ports and put in the sports games. Look, we're missing out on so many good sports games. We are missing on good sports games. Sports are good, and n- nerd jam games like this are bad. I'm gonna have to Try. fight Clint to the death when he gets back over how sports are good. And we can we can skip it. sports if we've played one of that same thing already. Like Madden ninety eight, play that. Madden ninety nine, skip it. Try to get as far away from the Sonic source as possible, but do not panic. What you want to do is you want to junk any any Western made sports game, probably Japanese one, because those are probably better on the Japanese games are probably better on Super Nintendo, because all the mm. all the Western games were probably better on Genesis. Like the EA games were all better on Genesis. Small babies may be placed inside the special cocoons, which should be left, if possible, in a shelter. Actually, was NBA Jam better on Super Nintendo? Do not attempt to use your own limbs. If no wheels are available, metal, not organic limbs, should be employed whenever practical. You know, I suspect this is going to be a short episode. Remember, in case of Sonic Attack, survival does mean every man for himself. Statistically, more people survive if they think only of themselves. Is Shrug setting up like an ARG for our podcast right now? Do not attempt to rescue friends, relatives, or loved ones. You have only a few seconds to escape. What if I have no friends, relatives, or loved ones? Or you will inevitably die. Do not panic. Think only of yourselves. Sakarina, what were you saying? Can we subpoena Twitter to give us a list of the horrible people who voted for this game? Because I think we should out them on the show and ban them from voting on future episodes. They are the only people that listen to us. I would have rather played the beat em up than this. I, uh... Oh, hell no. This is definitely better than the fucking beat em up. I. 
I voted for this game. I can't I take any of you anywhere. This. I didn't vote for anything because every single choice looked terrible. Same. Well, in that case, I think we'll do perfect moving on to Harmony, because we've all got our takes. This is harmoniously garbage. So we talked about this before the podcast a little bit, but uh, something that's a little bizarre is that the people that like this game really like this game. Like, if you look at people talking about it online, there's a lot of people saying, like, this is my favorite game ever. Spin Dizzy Worlds is the best. Uh, we found a guy who was making a uh, a full 3D remake of it. Like, I don't know what it oh, is. That person was making a full 3D remake of the original Spin Dizzy, which is probably a much better game. Right, but I did find people on Game FAQs at least talking about how good the Super Nintendo one is. There is a person quoted on the Wikipedia page saying that any resemblance of this game to Marble Madness is purely coincidental. Spindies, I'm just going to be quoting uh, Lemon Amiga uh, reviews of this game. Spin Dizzy Worlds can only compare poorly with its C64 cousin. Considering the extra capabilities of the Amiga, the programmers haven't bothered making the graphics very special. Also, the difficulty level needs adjusting as it's too difficult at the start. Could and should have been better. Teeth-grindingly frustrating, but still charming, which is a pretty good bottom-line review for someone who liked it. Oh yeah, we gotta do those. I don't... I don't. I had a bottom line near the start of this podcast, and I don't remember what I said now. Just added that part into the harmony section. Spin Dizzy Worlds is the only interesting Jay Z album. Spin Dizzy Worlds. Spin Dizzy Worlds is a nightmare. Sean Hantani once had. Spin Dizzy World is a hazard to avoid. Spin Dizzy Worlds is the nausea you get while riding the Tilt-A-Whirl. Spin Dizzy Worlds is a beat composed of the first three loops you find packed in with Fruity Loops. Spin Dizzy Worlds is the Dark Souls of Dreidel-themed video games. Spin Dizzy Worlds is eating an entire stack of printer paper in one sitting. <laughs> Should be graph paper, to be honest. No, oh, that's yeah. a fair point. <laughs> Very true. Spin Dizzy Worlds is Marble Madness for the Sega Master System. Spin Dizzy Worlds is Marble Math Class. Spin Dizzy Worlds is coming home to find out Marble Madness chewed up your shoes. Is that it? We good? Spin, Spin Dizzy Worlds. Spin Dizzy Worlds is the most fetishistic game to not have people in it. If Spin Dizzy Worlds was a Jizza album, it would be Pro Tools. Spin Dizzy Worlds is libertarian. Hey, uh, any chance anybody else uh, decided to think up a mystery topic for this, or would you like to leave it to me? I didn't uh, think of nothing. I've got one if you don't have one. I Honestly, if I do have one, it's slipping from my mind, so feel free. What? was the best trip everyone has ever had to an office supply store. See, I thought this was going to be drug-related for a moment. 
Uh, oh, oh. It can be. The time that I tripped in Staples. <laughs> uh, I think the, the only memory I have of um, being in an office store involved Mario is missing. What? I found a copy for a PC. Oh, hell yeah. That's a pretty good trip. Uh, I recall going to a Staples once when I was a kid and having fun browsing the computer games because they did used to have like an okay selection of inbox computer games. At some point when I was probably around 10 or 11, I somehow managed to convince my mother that I needed a micro cassette recorder that we got from an office depot so that I could use it to take notes for writing. Because I was a very strange child. And you're valid. Thank you. A few years ago, I went on a trip to Columbus, Ohio for a conference. I was working for uh, the dean of my department in grad school, and uh, I was supporting her in some presentation at this conference. And at one point, um, we really desperately needed um, a certain... What was it we needed? Oh, yeah. We needed um, the little stickers that you can get in off supply store that are like colored dot stickers, like... You know, you get a whole big sheet of these uh, just little dots of one color that you can just... I don't know why people normally use these, but we needed these for a weird reason having to do specifically with our poster. And uh, you apparently can't buy those things in Columbus, Ohio. Like, every store I went to did not have them. And also, like, most of the stores I went to <laughs> were, like, really weirdly, uh, like, bougie indie designer uh office supply stores like i went to one where uh everyone working there had like a handlebar mustache like a waxed mustache with like uh they were wearing like fedoras and shit and uh it was all like designer markers that's the place to be that is ex extremely odd everything was like wood paneling too like it was very upscale did they have any what was their pen selection like? like? They had a lot of like, uh, you know, pens where they've got like the exact millimeters of the uh, the nub on the pen, you know, the nub mm, a nub store. <laughs> I yeah. believe it's called a nib. Hey, this is our podcast. It's a nub. My favorite office store is Nubbles. So we're going in on a business venture then. I don't have any money, so I um someone Clint, else will have to provide money. Clint's got access to the Patreon, I can hit him in the knees. We gotta get that VAP sponsorship. Yes. Hell yeah. <laughs> I don't have an individual story about uh office supply stores, though I do remember that uh once PDA started being a big thing. I would go to the office uh, supply store quite often to go try the entire range of PDAs that they had. And I think like for about two and a half years, I would go to the store every week to go try out the PDAs because I was obsessed with them. And then I became an iPhone developer for six years. So it worked out in the end. 
And then I bought a Bible. Oh, wait, that's from a YouTube video no one watched. It's okay. You watched it. Thank you. And you're valid. Thank you. I read Nohobo Nishi Teko off uh, Jet Pens once. I think that counts. Also, yeah. some good nibs. Nubs, sorry, nubs. Some good, some good deleter nubs. All right. Uh, I think that's a podcast. Everybody pretty good with that? Sounds good. I don't think I've ever actually had any experiences in an office supply store. It's probably for the best. All right. This is the most depressing episode of the show. <laughs> Tilpa, have you never even been to an office supply store? It's because I'm in charge. I've been to an office supply store. I don't think I've ever bought anything besides like post-it notes from one, though. Post-it notes are fun and cool. And that's it for this podcast. <laughs> hey, everyone. Where can people find you if they want more of you? I am Shrug. You can find me a Shrug on the forums. I don't know why you would want to, but there I am. I'm Shrugopolis on Twitter. I am not a big tweeterer. Um, I am also on the No Rangers Allowed podcast. It's a good with podcast. Tel- with Tulpa. That is me. I'm one second before. Uh, you can find me on select button as one second before. And also on Twitter as Unsegundo Antes. And also, I'm about to go to Target to buy socks, so you might be able to find me there. (laughs) I'm Sakarina. You can find me at Sakarina on Twitter. That's S-A-K-U-R-I-N-A. And you can listen to my own podcast, Limitless Possibility, at LimitlessPossibility.net. I'm Bachelor of BachelorSoft.com, BachelorSoft on Twitter. I'm making DDD the Natural Playboys. It's the greatest game of all time, and you're going to be blown away with by it when I finish it. You're going to be blown by around it. twenty. Yeah, it's that kind of game. When I finish it in 2022, I'm excited. I am Telpa, an official puzzle maker on DDD the Natural Playboys. Sometimes I made one puzzle on it. I can be found on the select button forums. I can be found making a fool of myself on the D&D podcast. No Rangers allowed. And I can be found standing right behind you. Ah. Ah. Hey, what are you doing back there? Get out of there. I don't want to. I'm comfortable here. Well, just for now. (laughs) I've been Career Rice, and you can find me on Twitter at Career Rice. You can find me, you can find me on the select button.net forums as Career Rice, and I also run the snexploration.tumblr.com microblog. If you like this podcast, spread the word. Tell your appliances, tell NASA, tell your baseball loving cats, or just tweet about us. We're on Twitter at Snexploration. Leave don't us tell Jay Z. Don't tell Jay Z. He he was he was a fan of Spin Dizzy Worlds. Don't, don't tell Jay Z will send his Gerald's after us. Oh god. <laughs> Please don't tell the people who made Spin Dizzy Worlds. I bet they like name search this shit. I feel kind of bad. I oh, don't know. Really great have, people. Been... They definitely have a Google alert set up. I worry I, every day, every time there's an episode that you assholes are going to get some dev on us. Oh, Look, no. I don't they don't have, have a Google alert set up. They've got a DuckDuckGo alert set up. Oh, they're like me. Yeah.
I don't have enough bullets for all of Jay-Z's Gerald's. They have an Alta Vista search set up. They've got a Lycos set up. They're going to tear the shit out of us on Usenet. Ask Jeeves set up. Speaking of, uh, Jay-Z and our listeners should leave reviews on iTunes so that we can read them on the air. Even if they're mean. Even if they're by Jay-Z. Hurt me, Snake. Hurt me more. Don't forget to check out the Patreon at patreon.com slash snexploration, where you can help us make this podcast even better. Patron rewards include access to our private Discord, where we like to just fuck around and have fun and also actually make the podcast. Uh, Options to pick out games for us to play and even a chance to be on the podcast itself. Worth mentioning, we also have a Snexploration Squad Facebook page that I need to update more, and our own website at SNES.Zone. SNES.Zone features links to all our social media platforms, as well as uh, bios for all the regulars, recommended episodes for new listeners, and comics that Clint insists on making in Comipo, copy-pasting conversations from our aforementioned Discord. As always, for for inane video game discussion, jump into the selectbutton.net forums. The next episode will be up on the 20th, I think. I'm not the number person. In any case, I've got the three games you'll be voting for. And if you're listening to this the day it goes up, you still have time to run a Twitter and vote, maybe. We have a good system. Uh, the games are Hyper Area. Oh. Oh, shit. Yeah. Is that the. Uh, it is. Zayram? It is. Wait, what is it? It is a anime. It's it's a, hyper area is a game based on the anime area Zerum that we have watched in our anime viewing group. It is oh. interesting stuff. Gun is weird. Why is its gun so weird? Is it because it's an anime gun? It's because it's, it's very technically weird. a live action gun. This is like some Morrowind sci-fi. It is very Morrowind sci-fi. So we've got Hyper Area, we've got Smash TV, oh, and we've got, here's the one everyone's waiting for, Super Rugby. <laughs> Everyone vote for Hyper Rugby. Super Rugby. Let's vote for, for Smash TV so, so we can do a takedown on Twin Stick Shooters. I've never played Smash TV, so I'm voting are good, though. What are they? I mean, uh, probably uh, not, but I actually enjoy them, which is unusual for video games. I'm honestly, I'm probably going to vote for Hyper Area, but Clint was telling me that he's hoping for Smash TV because it's an old favorite of his. Though, if I understand correctly, it's not a great port. It's maybe an impossible port. We could, I could subject people to a terrible Arnold Schwarzenegger impression. For the entire cast. Save that for the True Lies Um, episode, if you would. I can do it up to 17 times. That's in my contract. Oh, okay. I don't want to, I don't want to, like, invalidate that. Because you're valid. Uh, What genre of game, what genre of game is Hyper Yuria anyways? It is uh, like an action RPG, side-scroller. Okay. It's got the game like text talks to you with text while you're doing stuff. And it Smash TV. it might be a little atmospheric even. Vote for Smash TV. Smash TV is probably the best game of this selection, but hyper area. 
Come on. I mean, you got, Smash TV. You got so much to talk about with Smash TV. You can just go off on, you know, you can go on about game shows. We can talk about Richard Dawson. I think we're all missing. I should talk important. about. I guess if Smash TV wins, I will talk about uh, the greatest, most dystopian uh, reality TV show to actually exist. I'm not going to talk about it on the air because I don't want people to get too excited. We don't want them to talk about it after we stop recording. Are you saying? Is it the one with the the British one where they have to sit in a chair and they do torture? No, this is the Russian one. Are you? No, this is art. I'm are, sorry, Shrug. I'm are, so sorry. Are, Shrug, are, I'm sorry. Is Bachelor saying that we could be tossing and flossing? Our style could be awesome. We could be causing more family feuds than Richard Dawson. Yes. <laughs> yes. There's our Shrug Hop for the day. I think that everyone's got to vote for Super Rugby oh, if because. You want to listen to more Shrug Hop, uh, Shrug's character in our D&D game raps every time he casts a spell it's very good uh i think everyone should vote for super rugby because this is a mistake on clint's part that he let uh this sports game into the normal selection of games because i think it's listed as rugby and he didn't even think about the possibility of rugby being a sport well it's not white people it's it's uh it's a blood sport is it because it's like the least Japanese sport ever? It's probably the most European sport. I think it's the second most exclusively English sport. It's like skinheads, right? I'm just kidding. Don't come like... after me. <laughs> no, that's that's soccer. That's that's ready. Oh. oh God! I have to hit the eject button on Tulpa <laughs> before they come for me. Not that he's wrong, because everybody likes it, even the Nazis. Especially the Nazis. Yeah, I'm sure that they that they insist that it's that they like it more. They they say that without everything. In any case, yeah, they do make it. They do make it very unwelcoming to people who are not Nazis. I'll believe that. So, thanks for listening to the podcast. You, uh, I love you. Anyway, until next time, it's not... It's not Marvel Madness. It's not Marvel Saga Torrenpa. It's not Super Monkey Ball. Tulpa, it's not... Wow. <laughs> leave, leave some for us, man. I'm impatient. I'm sorry. It's not Final Fantasy Tactics. It's not the ancient beloved game of Dreidel. It's not Mancala. It's not Japs. It's not Clax. It's not Beyblade. <laughs> this would be a good Beyblade game. It's not Marble Zone. It's not Tiddlywinks. It's, it's not Pogs. Turns out it's not Jay-Z after all. I'm just saying this so he doesn't send anyone after us. I'm not convinced. Good cover, Shrug. I think we're safe now. It's not Landstalker. It's not Kickle Cubicle. It's not Batman for the Spectrum ZX. It's not. It's not the it's survey. Not it's not the survey saying we're dead and fatal flying guillotine 
chops off our fucking head. I'm sorry, ZX. It's not uh, Choo Choo Rocket. It's not Pac-Mania. Did I say that? No, but that's a good one. It's... It's not Chuck Rock. It's not Camouflage Chameleon, Ninja Scan. You can't go after Chuck Rock. Time to grab the gun, they already got your wife and children. The hit was, was sent from the president to raise your residence. Okay, I think that's I think that's a podcast. Thanks to Schnabubula for allowing the use of his incredible song playing Super Mario World while taking mushrooms. As always, thank you for listening to the podcast. Bye bye.